Welcome back to another episode. Today we have Noah on the podcast, and he is um, the host of Only Kings podcast. So, welcome, Noah. Thank you for the invitation. Yes. I've been very much looking forward to this, so thank you for having me. Yes, and we've been excited to have you on as well because I feel like you're you're very good at talking, even from your podcast. Like you're good at just flowing a conversation really well. So thank you. You're also yeah. good at enunciating words. Yes. I appreciate that. I feel like I that, feel like I'm good at talking, but I'm not good at enunciating my words. That's a very unique compliment, and I'm going to hold on to that for a long time. So thank Put you. Put that on your resume. So yeah. Yes, enunciating <laughs> words and also articulating your words because I'm not good at that. Like, I know what I'm trying to say in my head, but then it doesn't come out, and I'm like, what word am I even thinking of? Well, I appreciate both of those compliments. They're actually really great compliments. Thank you. Welcome. Well, you're welcome. So, we were just talking prior to starting the podcast, but how are you feeling about being out of the military? Tell us your experience and your thoughts. Fucking amazing. Um, Yeah, no, it feels good, because I'm a way different person in a good way. I'm a way different person than I was when I joined. Um, so I did six for just a prerequisite. I did six years in the National Guard, which is like the C team of the Army. Uh, for people who don't know what the fuck that is. Uh, it's one week in a month. You know, it's, it's the reserves. But the only difference is the Guard is at the state level, so you're commanded first by the fucking governor, and that's phenomenal in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. And then uh, every so often you get shipped off and deployed and shit. Um, I didn't get to do a whole lot of cool shit during my contract, to be honest. Um, they did send me to Africa once for a deployment. That was neat. We talked about, I think I mentioned that yeah. to you guys, like maybe yeah. like before the podcast that we did on mine. Um, that was an interesting time. Uh, but I was just a way different person when yeah. I was 20 years old. You know what I mean? Um, I really bought into the government. I really had faith in what we were doing. And I really like, it's like I was like, yeah, like. Like, me 20 years ago was like, I, I call like people in our generation, like the call, especially the guys, like our, we're like the call of duty mm-hmm. generation, right? We were fucking, we were brainwashed. Like, you know what I mean? Like, my call of duty is like, yeah, we can go on this. And like, all my friends, even before I went to military school, like, all my friends were like, military, we're all gonna do it, we're gonna this and that. And most of us did. Um, and so, but by the time that I hit 20, I was like, well, I don't know if I'm gonna like this very much, so I'm gonna do part-time I've heard of and even the recruiter like my recruiter you hear the stories like mm-hmm. the recruiters lie to you and they do this and my recruiter was so honest to me and he was so real because he had yeah. done so I signed up to be an infantryman and he had been an infantryman beforehand and so he was honest and real with me and he was like yeah if you like you can go back to duty they'll typically let you go and all that stuff so I'm like okay and I wanted to like I was like yeah I, lo- I started out really loving it and I loved fucking infantry school I loved basic training that shit was like it was dumb as fuck but it was so much fun and but then the deployment happened the pandemic happened and i was like man this is not what i want to be associated with anymore yeah and i didn't even get off to do like there wasn't any crazy shit that happened in africa like I, i'm not gonna tell like fake war stories you know yeah it, it never fucking happened mm-hmm. um but yeah it was just you go off and you see how our country treats people overseas and you see how other countries treat the same people in the same country you're in and it's like oh shit like maybe there's a reason people overseas don't like us very much Mm -hmm. and not that we're doing off they're doing crazy shit but it was just like uh, i guess the best example is i went off to djibouti which is a country on the east coast of africa it's right next to yemen Mm -hmm. And you go over there, and the only real American presence there is that we have a very large naval installation. We occupy an undisclosed amount of airfields, and uh, we employ a lot of the locals. But then you see China's presence over there, and they're giving them electricity. They're building railroads. 
the University of Djibouti that is 100% built and funded by China mm-hmm. looks like fucking you. It looks, parts of it look better than UNM. <laughs> like for real. You know what I mean? So it's like, okay, we have a military presence and we provide, without a doubt, the best employment they have with like money wise, mm-hmm. which is still dirt compared to what Americans get paid, obviously, here. But, you know, it's like, okay, we give them employment and. Especially after what happened with the Afghanistan pullout, and now what's happened in Israel, a false sense of of uh, security. Mm-hmm. But like, China's provided infrastructure. <laughs> like, I don't know how you compete with that. And then I just don't like the way our government's going, and I don't like the way that our leadership and on both sides of the aisle mm-hmm. are handling things. I was like, nah, I'm not gonna reenlist. You know, I'm I'm happy that I did it. I I love the guys that I served with for the most part, um, and I don't think I would take it back. Yeah. But, and I'm, again, I'm happy I did it, but it's, it, it, it really helped shape my worldview mm-hmm. because what's interesting about the National Guard that people really talk about a lot is you have a mishmash of people that are like, you got young kids like me, they just wanted to do it part-time, they wanted to go to college, like in real time, though, right? It's an active duty, you don't get your, your, uh, your college paid for until you leave or you do four years. Like your boyfriend was active army, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he didn't get his GI Bill so he got out. Yeah. Um, people don't tell you that, mm-hmm. but in the national guard, you're supposed, supposed to get your tuition assistance as you're in. Mm-hmm. But of course, as I'm trying to do school, they fucking yank it until fall of like next year or something. Cause the governor's amazing. Uh, anyway, um, but you have like young 20 year olds, 18 year olds that want to go there just for college. And then you've got these guys, especially in like today's world, you've got guys that were in the first invasion of Iraq. They were, they went back to Iraq in 2009 or some mm-hmm. shit like that. Right. And they've been fighting the Middle East. But, you know, for whatever reason, they want to get out of active duty. They want to be a cop, firefighter, EMT, uh, you know, medical personnel, mm-hmm. just service, right? They still want to be a service, but they want to still be in the military. So they go National Guard. Mm-hmm. And so you got their mindsets coming in because they've actually experienced war, mm-hmm. right? And then, especially in the National Guard in New Mexico, you know, it's infected with corruption from the top down. And so just all these things are happening at once. And... It's, it was just not an organization I want to be a part of. Yeah. And a lot of people, again, in my demographic, that were just one contract individuals, they, they felt the same way. And what really broke my heart was guys that I looked up to that had been in for 12, 15, 16, 17 years, done all this as infantrymen, inactive duty, three, three deployments, four deployments. They do one contract in the guard, and they're like, Fuck three more years to, to retirement. I'm out. You know what I mean? So that's the kind of shit. Um, so I'm very happy to be out of it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very happy. It's weird. Like, I showed up to work on Monday, and my coworkers were like, you look visibly happier. <laughs> I was like, Thanks. Just skipping into work. <laughs> right? Just, like, so, rainbows and sunshine behind yeah. you, and, like, you know, all this stuff. And it's like, wow, your aura is really bright. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, and, and I don't say any of that to... Like trash the military as a whole or anything. Like that. I still think we can do amazing things, but it just wasn't that I want to be. I want to be a part of it anymore. Yeah. you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But it feels good to be out. It feels good to have done that time and accomplished it with no issues and no like major hiccups. You know, um, like I said, love the people that I met. Um, it and it just feels good to be a free man. Yeah. <laughs> it feels. Yeah, it feels good. Yeah. Did um. Did you have anyone in your family that was in the military that kind of influenced your choice? Because I feel like with no. people who have, like, military parents or yeah. stuff like that, it can either go one extreme or the other where, like, 
they want, they push for them to be in the military. It's like, no, we really don't want you going military at all. Like, essentially not allowing you to go military. So yeah. did you have... No, that? no. Um, the only members of my family that I know of that were military was my grandfather on my mom's side. He passed away during COVID. But I remember he was very, like, kind of like how, probably how I'm going to end up, where... <laughs> He acknowledged his service, but he talked shit, like, mm. so much. Like, he was like, yeah. Because he, he only did four years, and he was, like, a long, long time ago. And he's like, yeah, like, I, I love, you know, basic training, and I love the guys. But I remember waking up in the barracks, looking outside, and everyone's wearing the same thing. And I'm like, fuck this. This is stupid. And then he did his shit and got out. Mm -hmm. uh, he was against me going infantry, though. Because he was in, I want to say he was in, like, just after the Vietnam War, I think. Mm -hmm. I could be totally off about that. It was like right before or right after when he was in. And I remember him telling me like how he, like that, and obviously that life is way different than it is now, but he, his own experience mm -hmm. was like, look, I see how it affects those guys. I'm reading about the guys now. Do live your life, but whatever. And he was happy for me when I did graduate and I did all that, but he was like very adamant. He was, and I remember me and him sitting after I graduated, and he was like, yeah, I hope the military treats you better than it treated me, because I love our country, but fuck that organization. And I was like, no, it's going to be great. And then here I am six years later. Um, and then my great uncle, um, he was in, yeah, he was in the Army too. Yeah, he was in the Army, and then he actually, uh, from the stories I was told and the one time that I had met him when I was like seven or eight, I think, Maybe a little younger than that. Uh, he was actually, he, yeah, he was in the army because he fucking, uh, he stormed Normandy. Huh. Like, he was there for D-Day. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and he actually, when I was a kid, he told me a story about how when they had made it into France and and when they were going through Europe and months, months before we finally went to the summer, mm -hmm. uh, one afternoon they were told, hey, we're getting, we're getting like our first freeze tonight. So drink your water, refill it, drink, you're not going to have water tomorrow. Because your canteens are going to freeze. And they're like, nah, fuck that. We'll be fine. Didn't do it. And then they were just carrying around these, these fucking blocks for like oh two days. Gosh. Yeah. So those are the only two, that, to my knowledge, that were military. Um, yeah, that was really good. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was it. How would you say the military has shaped, like, who you are? I know that you you yeah. have your certain views on it. But would you say it, it gave you any, like, good characteristics or other characteristics that you're not fond of. Like, how would you say it's shaped you? An unsustainable nicotine addiction. No. Um, no, but in all seriousness, it forced me to, to and this is a term or a, 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 a saying, I guess, that's kind of really gotten abused and conflated with a lot of negativity, but it forced me to do my own research. Mm -hmm. Like, for real. You know, like, it really, like, and I say that because it forced the absolute best and worst parts of my personality to come out. And while I remedy the bad, I was like, oh, I, I kind of lean towards asking questions. I kind of, mm -hmm. and I, I was like that as a kid, but it got like pushed down so hard that I kind of just shut up through like half of middle school and high school. Yeah. You know what I mean? Unless I was around my friends, but it's in public space. So I was like, you know, get in, get out, you know, whatever. But I was like, okay, ask questions, do your own research, really be open-minded about things that are either foreign to you or that you've been told is bad, mm -hmm. right? Be open to that. Ask, mm -hmm. why is it bad? Do they think it's bad? And unfortunately, with our government, the more questions you ask, the more negative answers you get back. 
Yeah. Unfortunately, right? I wish it wasn't like that, but that's just how it is. Mm-hmm. For all the good about this country, there's a lot of dirty laundry. And it just came to a point where I was like, well, I'm glad that I have an open mind. And I'm glad that, like, even though all that negativity is there, I don't hate my country. Mm-hmm. I, I love America. I fucking love this place. Still the best country on the face of the earth. And I will contest anyone who says otherwise. But I'm just not the biggest fan of the people who run it right now. Mm-hmm. So therefore, no, no thank you. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I think that's a part of it. It really opened my mind. Um, I'm glad that, you know, for the short time that I was there, when I got sent to Africa, it was a good experience as well. Because I experienced extreme poverty over there. Like, you mm-hmm. see it firsthand. Like, I mean, you've fucking been. Yeah, right. A different part, but still poverty. Right? Yeah. Like, you see the extreme depravity over there in the lifestyle. And not, not just the lifestyle, too, but also, like, the educational aspect. Yeah. The free will of thinking. Like you said, like, the ability to ask questions. Like, it's not... I mean, it, you know, different places, so it kind of depends. But, yeah, it's just crazy, like, seeing poverty not only as a wealth aspect, but just, like, these people aren't being provided with, like, the education that they should or, you know, whatever the it basic may be. human and, needs. And, yeah, and all this stuff. And I was just... Like, well, so put in perspective, right? The number one money-making uh, ability of Djibouti as a country is they contract with surrounding countries, and th- this is this you can look this shit up. It is real. They contract with surrounding countries, and those countries dump their garbage in Djibouti. That is the number one money-making thing mm. in that country. Is they dump their fucking garbage. And then Djibouti burns it. Oh, that's nice. And so, like, I'm sure, like, did, did your, I'm sure your, your boyfriend's told you about it, of the burn pits? Uh-uh. Okay, so, um, I don't think they have them in Iraq, but I know they have them in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Like I said, a lot of my buddies that went to Afghanistan had to deal with it. We had to deal with it in Djibouti. Basically, what these things are is, so, uh, like, the Americans and the, the actual countrymen of where you're at do it, um, one way to get rid of your trash is you pile it up, whether it's in a giant cistern or in giant barrels or in, in Djibouti's case, giant fucking piles. And you douse it with kerosene and gasoline, you flick a match, and you just burn it. And you get rid of it. Nice. Now, uh, and people for listening can look this up. It's It was a really big issue in Congress. Number 23. So about two years ago, it was a really big issue in Congress with um, them having, they finally did, after like, a lot of deliberation that wasn't needed, mm-hmm. passing an act that extended VA benefits and VA coverage towards service members of across all branches that were affected by burn pits. Because again, if you're just burning, you're burning everything from plastic to dead animals, dead people, fecal matter, fucking everything, like like sewage of all kinds, materials of all kinds, and you're just burning it and it fills the air. Oh, so. It's fucking horrible. So then it's like, why are these service members that were in Iraq and Af- that were in Afghanistan in like 2002 or 2004, 2005, 2006, why is it 10 years later they have fucking cancer? Why is it the lungs are all fucked up, right? So then, like, it was, it was fucked up because I came back from the deployment. I, I got back stateside in July of 2020. And my, I was spending time with my girlfriend at the time. And, and we were just laying down watching a movie, and she looked over at me. She's like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah. I'm, I, what's wrong, right? What do you mean? Am I not okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and she goes, like, you're breathing really heavy. And I'm like, man, we're fine, right? And so, and I didn't even got COVID yet. So, um, 
So yeah, she's like, yeah, you're breathing really heavy. And I was like, uh, I don't think so, but thanks. And then but I started thinking about it and noticing it as the weeks carried. I was like, oh, fuck. And I hit my buddy. I'm like, yeah, we can't fucking breathe either, dude. All of you guys are just, <laughs> just coughing up blood. Yeah. <laughs> just can't breathe. <laughs> this is healthy cough blood. But, but, but yeah, so it, it took a lot of deliberation, but barely in 21, they decided to pass a bill that would extend benefits towards that. And it's a thing called the, it's called the Open Burn Pit Registry, mm-hmm. where you have to sign up for that and you get, and I'm, still, I'm still waiting to get evaluated for oh, it nice. but yeah. but you know I don't even know what's going on. oh yeah how poor the country is so that's their major money maker is they that's allow insane. other countries to come in and bring their shit so to go back to your original question about yeah. how do I change my perspective or what did it change about me it really just opened my mind to the bigger world and to really just ask fucking questions yeah do your own research figure out but do your own research from other educated sources don't just ask your buddy yeah, or yeah. just like read one article and be like, and oh, that's it. it. All right, the yeah. abstract says this. All right, good. And not look about who's funding it and all of exactly. the other logistical like things. The population size or how long it goes yeah. for or the research mm-hmm. method. Was there a control group? Was it a placebo? Like, there's mm-hmm. so much. Follow the money. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Who is funding the research? Who, where are they getting their money from? Where's that money going? But right. that's a lot of work. And people don't want to do that. Well, yeah. you know, okay, but in all fairness, in all fairness, I get it because... Look, I'm a, I'm a single guy. I have no wife. I have no kids. I have fucking three roommates, right? I'm a dude. Like, I'm an American dude, right? Hello. Yeah, I'm just a guy. I, yeah, I literally have a podcast. You know what I mean? Like, I'm an American guy, and I'm 26. I'm right in the middle of failure, right? So, so, and I'm trying to stand up. Like, I've given up. Like, you know, my point is, is like, I have time on my hands sometimes, very rarely, but sometimes I have time on my hands. So if I want to go down a fucking rabbit hole about, okay, who funded this vaccine? Or like, who funded this? Or who did that? Or where did, but that, but that, but that, right? I have time to do that. I'm privileged with that. Mm-hmm. If I was a husband and a father with even one kid, right? And I've got a household to take care of. I, I own a home, so I can't just like yell at the people who run the lease and be like, hey, this is broken, send somebody. No, I have to figure out who, and then I have to do this, and that, 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 right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Right? And then I, and then I have to, like, and I have to, like, I have to help wife make dinner and, like, clean the house, and then, but all this shit, right? All this shit that comes into being, like, a family man, right? I don't have those responsibilities. So then I think about the average family that, you know what, maybe they sit down at fucking 6.30 at night and watch Fox News or MSNBC or NBC or one of these fucking media organizations. Maybe they do it because they're ignorant to the corruption, or maybe they do it because they're like, I don't know where to go on the internet. These are news news sources. Yeah. You, they don't have the time to do their own research. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like, my thing is like, with my degree... One of the internships I had to do was, like, with Presbyterian, and my main job was literally just compiling research, running through it, like, essentially giving them, like, hey, these are the new, um, like, research models that are coming out with, like, these types of deficiencies in nutrition and blah, 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 blah. And I literally just made, like, I literally had to scan through three to five different, like, research articles a day, read through everything, cross-reference it, and make, like essentially just like hey this is the number one thing that's showing like the most unbiased stuff here's the second one third one so like because of that i don't want to go through research again because i did that for so long and i shouldn't say i hated it it was actually very eye-opening and really taught me how to do like informative research and stuff but it's just like 
yeah, same. Like, I don't have the time right now to, like... But then it becomes tedious, yeah. right? And it's like, fuck, man. I just sat for the last five hours looking up a protein. Like, <laughs> Yeah, seriously. <laughs> like, and that, that's the hard thing, too, is, like, for instance, like, with protein, it's always freaking changing of, like, what the recommended amount is. You know, it used to be anywhere from, like, 0.5 to 0.7 grams per body weight. And now it's at, like, for a long time, it was one gram of protein per body weight. And now we're seeing, like, maybe 0.7 is the best. And it's, like... It's so frustrating. It's, like, just eat until you feel satisfied with protein and, like... You know what I miss the most, I think, about high school, when I think about protein, is there was this guy... I mean, he still kind of does content, but, uh... Domizetti, the pro oh, science guy. I love oh, his yeah. stuff. Adore him, right? So he's <laughs> the actual dude, uh, Mike Tornabeni. He's gone off and does like, like clothing and stuff like that. But back in the day, I remember he had this video about protein. It was called Way Too Much Protein. <laughs> and it, he made it so simple. He's like, eat your body weight in protein. It's not that fucking hard. And then he chugs protein out of the tub. You know? So, oh, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Straight yeah. to the dome. <laughs> I miss that shit. I was literally t- texting my old buddy of mine about videos like that today. That's so funny. Anyway, yeah, but, you know, people don't have time to do their own fucking research. Mm-hmm. So I kind of get it. Know, but then on the same hand, it was like every, everything that we know now for the last three years of insanity that happened. If I was a father and there was a nameless organization telling me that my wife and kid need to get a untested, untried, like really trialed through vaccine, I'd tell you to go fuck yourself. I'm sorry. Because the further you look into that, the the more like squirmy it gets, right? The more it's like, oh, well, how did it get forced? Why are they doing it? And then it's like, okay, we have actual... I was I was oh, I was in an interview today, and the way the guy put it was really good. He was like, "You don't see the American government pushing, um, like health and wellness, fucking literally health, right? They don't push like the vitamin D deficiencies, the all the actual poison and shit that are in like our basic foods, like fucking cereal, right? Bread. You guys are talking about that on your podcast with with your respective partners, right? Mm-hmm. The shit that's in bread, right? They don't push the the health adverse reactions to that, mm-hmm. but they are like." hammering it down your throat to get this forced medicine or this rushed medicine. I'm sorry. As this figurative, you know, head of the household in this scenario, I'd be like every other, like, you know, middle to right-leaning guy in the fucking country. Like, no, sorry. The people I love are not going to take that. Mm -hmm. Sorry. But then that's why they went for your jobs. Yeah. And that's why they went for your livelihood and shit like that. Like, not to put on the, the fucking tinfoil hat, but I mean, it, this is recorded recorded history now. I so. think what the most important thing is, is that, like, they didn't really allow you to make your own informed choices or do your own risk analysis. Like, whether you got the vaccine or not, like, it should have been you got it because it was something okay. that you wanted to do and not because it was forced, you know? Perfect example. Military. Perfect example of this horseshit. So, February of 2021, no, I'm sorry, December of 20, it becomes optionally available to the military across all branches, even the National Guard got it. And they were like, listen, this is coming from our company commander, so a captain, not very high. Hey, guys, um, COVID vaccine's available. I know not a lot of you guys want it, but... It is going to be mandatory inside six months. So either do it now or do it later or suffer the fucking consequences, boys. That's how it's going to be. They're like, yeah, da, da, da. February, March rolls around. Start forcing it. They're doing it in waves. I get jabbed into February. Okay, fine. Um, they start around May 
They're like, hey, y'all didn't get it? Fucking, you're getting a lot of punishment. So this is your last fucking drill. Do it, because it was right before annual training. Mm-hmm. And they needed everybody to go to annual training that year. I don't think, uh, yeah, I did. That was the last fun one. We really just shotgunned and camped for two weeks. It was a lot of fun. Anyway, anyway. So they're like, we need like, as close to 100% attendance. That means, but to go on that annual training for whatever reason, you need a fucking vaccine. And blah, 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 right? Okay. There's a group of people that, of course, were like, go fuck yourself. We're not doing it. So then they were put on administrative, like, whatever. We go off for annual training. We come back, and they start processing punishments. And the threat, the threat of it was you're going to get a less than honorable discharge, which is like a step of, a step above dishonorable, yeah. right? Yeah. So less than honorable discharge, you're going to get, but until they process that, you're going to get a GOMAR, which is basically like, like uh, a commanding general is writing a memo saying you're a piece of shit <laughs> and you fucked up and here's your punishment, all this type of stuff, right? And now, mind you, this is a one or two, I guess in our case, a, a, a two-star, I think, at the time. This is the two-star commanding general of the National Guard writing a fuck-you letter about a specialist. Like, that's how serious they were treating this. Like, seriously? Like, what the fuck, right? So you have that. But then while that's getting processed, you're getting an Article 15 with, and you're getting all your fucking, and they already said what the punishment was going to be. You're going to be removed from drill. You're going to be still on the books, but you're not going to get paid. You're going to get red flags. You can't go to schools. You can't go. You can't get promoted. You can't gain promotional points. You can't get retirement points. You can't do all this stuff, right? They were basically putting your career on administrative hold until they processed your punishment, which was end up uh, resulting in you getting kicked out of the military and then losing your benefits because if you get it. Someone can probably fact check me on this, but I'm fairly certain that if you get a less than honorable discharge, you don't get a uh, you get any of your benefits. Now, that's if you have a, a school stuff. That's if you have a VA benefits. That's if you have a the VA home loan, education stuff, any of that. Right, gone. Okay, fine. So they tell these guys that, and the homies in my unit are like, "Fuck y'all, we weren't gonna reenlist anyway." And they're all blue-collar guys, right? So they're going to go make fucking $35, $50 an hour anyway. It's like, yeah, go fuck yourselves. We don't care. I'll pay for my kid's college. Eat a dick. <laughs> so they all split, right? And what do they do? They live their fucking lives. They grow out their hair, smoke a little, you know, and they're big chilling, right? A couple bong hits for Jesus and move on, right? They're chill. oregano. Yeah, they're chilling, right? So this is June into July of 21. About... March of 2022 or so, maybe a little later than that, because it took them a long time to get their shit together. Around that time, the military starts going, our retention rates are not that good. And we can't even recruit right now. Uh, Was COVID really that bad? And they start calling these guys back, because remember, one of the key things that I said is they're still on the books. So they're starting to call these guys back. And they're like, hey, you're getting, uh, like, hey, they're no longer making the vaccine mandatory. That means you're still eligible for service. Get back in here. See you in drill in two weeks. And these guys are like, whoa, 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 whoa. You guys just told me to go fuck myself, took all my, threatened to take all my benefits away. And these are people that have been in the military anywhere between two to four years up to like, I think one of the homies that got fucked up for that was like in for 13 years. Wow. Yeah. It's like, whoa, you just threatened to take away my livelihood and discredit everything I've done for my country. But now because you guys can't hit retention, 
You want me back? So how important was this vaccine really? Like how many lives did we really save? Like how, how crucial was this to the public health that because of your metrics, it no longer matters? And I'm getting pulled back? So then to add, add fucking salt in the wound, one of my buddies, I'm not going to name his name as he's still in, he gets recalled. He had a fucking righteous mullet too. This guy, righteous. Shaves his hair, gets his hair cut back, shaves his fucking... I won't call it a beard, but shaves what he had. <laughs> and they call him in. And what's the first fucking thing to do to these guys? Piss test them. Oh, nice. <laughs> they all pop hot for weed. But I'm talking to my specific friend about it. And he goes, yeah, they fucking piss test me. And they were surprised that I popped hot. Like, they told me I was getting kicked out. And so then, like, he's still fighting it. And this is over a year later. He's still fighting his Article 15 that was trying to reduce him in rank again. Because he had a negative piss test. Mm -hmm. But you know what I mean? So I, I bring that example up because it's like, if something was so crucial to the public health, there would be next to no exceptions. Mm -hmm. You'd be firm in that because what are you doing? The greater good, saving lives. But what? Because you can't meet metrics, it's arbitrary? Or, let's take it even darker, Do does the service average service member's life mean less than the average citizen's? So you're putting them at risk. Where do you want to take this? You know what I mean? I look at you, government, right? It's like, where do you want to? So it's just another thing that's like I had in the back of my head. Like, that's another reason I'm not re-enlisting. They don't care. We're just a number. And I get it, right? For the military, you have to be a number for things to run efficiently. But at the same time, can we use some common sense? Yeah. So not to... A weird com time. <laughs> yeah, not to completely uh, derail your health podcast. But I mean... <laughs> no. You know what I mean? This is the experience. This is what's happening yeah. right now in real time. So, it, yeah. So, I forgot what your fucking question was. I don't know. I don't even remember. Where are we? What is today? Who are you? <laughs> so, switching kind of the topic around, yeah. um, I know that you competed in bodybuilding. I did. And we've talked a lot about like body dysmorphia and um, unhealthy relationships with food. Have you, as a male competitor, experienced that? And what was your experience with that? All the fucking time. I'm still dealing with it. Um, so I so I grew up... I'm going to take this way back. Mm -hmm. um, so I think we kind of touched on this when I was when you guys came on my podcast. Thank you again for doing that, by the way. It was, yeah. fucking, it was fucking blast. Go listen to it. It was a good episode. <laughs> Only was, Kings. <laughs> I was phenomenal. Uh, um, I done good. <laughs> um, so... My my father was not a very good man, but one of the few things he did give me in my life was the importance of the gym. He forced me to do it way too early. I didn't understand the importance of it, but as I grew up, I did. And along with that, like a like a that, and then like an A section of that is I grew up watching like Arnold Schwarzenegger, fucking Sylvester Stallone, Dolph Lundgren, all these fucking eighties nineties action heroes and all their movies, and I was like. Fuck, yeah, that's a dude, right? That's a man. Fuck, yeah, I'm going to be like that, right? And then at the same time, I'm getting, uh, growing up on comic books, so I'm looking at fucking these muscled-out guys. I'm like, yeah, that's so fucking, that's the shit. That is power. I want to figure out how to be like that. But then I was slender as shit, couldn't do it. Went all through high school, could not break 147. No matter how much I ate, no matter how much I fucking tried to lift weights, and I never knew how to lift weights properly back then. I could never gain weight, so then I just leaned into being skinny, so I just became fast and mobile, right? Tried to be anyway. <laughs> Finally get into college, 
my, my metabolism starts becoming healthy and I, uh, I'm able to gain a little bit of weight, a little bit of muscle tone, not a whole lot. But then after basic training and, um, I was like 20, fuck, I was like 21 ish, I think when I got back from base or I was turning 21 when I got back from basic and that's when I started finally getting a little weight, like able to hold weight a little bit better. And so I was like, okay, um, my, the skinny side of my body is more feel started to go away. So I'm finally getting weight and all that stuff. And then when I went off in Africa, I don't know what the fuck they put in that food out in Africa, but I got strong. <laughs> I've never been stronger since I was out, out there and I've been a fucking test. Like I, I don't know what they put in their food out there, but all of us just got turned to like monsters out there. Nice. And I was like, oh shit, like I can be, like, I don't mind the extra weight that I'm carrying right now. Cause I, I walked around at my heaviest, like 195, but I'm like, I'm deadlifting like 460 something. I'm back squatting almost 400 pounds. I'm like, I've never done this before. And so then I come back, I'm like, I really, I, I finally started taking weightlifting seriously, like, seriously, seriously. And I was like, I want to continue this. I really love bodybuilding. Even like bodybuilding's always been one of my favorites for like that and boxing. Mm-hmm. But I was like, man, like, bodybuilding is obviously very challenging it's very hard it's very strenuous but it makes sense to me mm-hmm. and that's how my brain looked at it right it's like i i can recognize challenge like i look at like medicine i'm like that's challenging but it makes but the concept of it makes zero sense to me so i don't even touch it right like it's stay away mm-hmm. but something like bodybuilding or like podcasting or comedy i see the challenge but it makes sense like i see a like a very dirty, muddled path on how to tackle, right? So I was like, okay, I'm gonna do this. So a year and a half or so later, so I do my bodybuilding competition. Um, and as I start slimming down, I'm liking the way that I'm looking, but, but specifically to your point about body dysmorphia, like there was a positive side of it where it became kind of um, like, a, like a really sadistic game. Right, I was like, okay, I did forty-five minutes of cardio a morning last week. What if I did like an hour, hour fifteen? Okay, like an hour and a half. What about two hours? What about, you know what I mean? It became mm-hmm. that. And the same thing with the weightlifting, right? And then it then became with the eating towards the end when I'm only like the last ten days, I was only eating like nine hundred calories a day around there, training mm-hmm. training for like three and a half, four hours. You oh know my what gosh, I mean? nice. Yeah, so I was like, okay, well, what if? Okay, I'm not eating until like twelve thirty. What if I wait till one? Oh my gosh. What if I wait till two? You know what I mean? And then and two then, weeks pass. And, no, for real. What if I just learn how to and photosynthesize? Like... <laughs> <laughs> what if I just learn, figure out how to just not need to, to exist? <laughs> well, well, and like my, uh, my girlfriend at the time, she was very, you know, she stuck with me through it and she was supportive of it. But even like towards the end, she was like, hey, you know, fuck, eat something stupid. What the fuck is wrong with you? I mean, it's five o'clock and you haven't eaten yet. <laughs> Fucking eat. And I was like, no, I'm okay. <laughs> you know? I'm going to make it till 5.05. <laughs> no, for real. And then oh so God. like, and it was fucked up because like, um, like looking back on it, I saw like how unhealthy this shit was, but it was, it was, it was a double-edged sword. I know both of you have experienced this. On the one hand, you kind of look in the mirror and you're like, oh shit. But then you're like, you step away from the mirror and you're like, fuck, like you're about to fall over. But yeah. then even then, like we, and we brought this up on, uh, on when you guys came on last time, it was like, no matter how much I shredded down, even the little bit that I still had left, a little bit of body fat at like the bottom part of my ab, I just could not get rid of all of it. Right. And so, um, like I, I had started out 
the prep at like 187, 186, or maybe a little lower than that. And I stepped on stage at like 151, around there. And even then, with how I felt and how I looked, even now, like I saw um, a video of it pop up on my on my photo album, and I was like, fuck, I could have done more, man. I could have done more. I was not as sure as I could have been. Motherfucker. You know what I mean? So it's still in the back of my head. And so, like, because I got... So, the other, like, sweet part of the bittersweet was I loved how my body operated between, like, 179 to, like, 174, 173. I loved how I felt. I was eating whole great food the whole time, training super hard. My sleep was meh because I had a lot going on in life and I had like, I'm mean, again, full-time job, my girlfriend, I podcasting, all, all these things that I love, but like not a lot of sleep. Mm -hmm. But other than that, you know, I love my body operated. And so now that I'm a lot heavier than that, I mean, it's, and then I was also like, I latched on super hard to, to counting the macros. Hmm. I latched on, like, that was my religion. And I treated it like a fucking video game. You know, I was like, oh, well, if I have this quick scoop of protein, you'll get my da 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 and this and this. And, you know what I mean? And it was, it was like, I turned into a game to make it fun for myself, but it became addictive. In a really unhealthy way, it became addictive. Mm -hmm. And then, like, so, like, uh... Like, I remember I would, because uh, my ex, uh, uh, my girlfriend at the time, she came from a, she lived in a Hispanic household. It's a lot of food. And it's fucking disrespectful if you go to a Hispanic household and you don't eat the fucking food. But I stuck to my fucking guns. And I was like, no, nope, I got my fucking broccoli and pro er, uh, potatoes. Thanks, dude. You know what I mean? And even, like, towards the end, like, her grandmother was like, you are not healthy. <laughs> she was like, you need to eat. And I was like, thanks. It's like you trying know. to push her tortillas on No, like, for real. It's not that much. No, like, <laughs> exactly. And so it, and then post-show, like, um, like and, and that show was um, March of last year. And so even now, almost two years ahead of that, I'm still, like, trying to break away from, okay, dude, like, but you, you have body dysmorphia. Now adjust. Adjust your fucking mindset. You got to do it at some point. You know, so it's, it's, it's been in small increments. And then a real damper on it was getting the hernia surgery in May, at the end of May. And so now it's like, well, I can't train as hard as I, as hard as I want to. And my body is starting to pack on weight a little easier. And so it's like, I'm trying to, like, I have a decent di uh, diet. It's like 70% of the time, pretty good, you know? But my brain only hyper fixates on the 30% where I'm not great. And yeah. that, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, you should be better. You've it, done better. Yeah, it's like, yeah, do better, bitch. Like, stop being a fucking, you know? So it's it's just a day-by-day -day thing. Um, I, I have confidence in the fact that I'm never going to be unhealthy. Right? I'm just not going to let myself do that. But then at the same time, looking back at how I like how I used to be and how I could train, like that's in you somewhere. But then like last night I did a little bit of core exercises and I almost fucking died because of how weak my core is right now. And then I literally feel that fucking mesh they use to fix the hernia. I feel I feel hey, that I don't like shit. That. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I feel that shit. And it's like a reminder, hey bitch, you're a human. You're do you wanna go back to the hospital? Okay, then stop. You know what I mean? It's not even crazy shit I was doing, but like, and I'm kind of glad they didn't, they waited till they told me this after the surgery, but, uh, they told me before, like, yeah, it's like, 
the real recovery is like six to eight weeks. After that, you'll be good. Da, da, da. Literally, I'm on the table waking up from surgery, right? They, like maybe five minutes after they take the breathing tube out. Uh, the nurse is like, oh, yeah, honey, you're not going to deadlift for like two years. Oh. Like heavy. And I was like, fuck. What? And then I'm an idiot. And like a month ago, I was like, fuck that bitch. I can fucking, I'm going to deadlift heavy. I can do what the fuck I want. And I pulled like, I only pulled two plates. And I was like, okay, that's where we stop. That's where we stop. I have the strength to do more, but my core will, I, I will explode. Like, like this will like, on the fucking deadlift You're going to start a new trend of like, instead of peeing on the deadlift So I was like, all right, I'm... There goes my large intestine. Like, yeah. <laughs> Soda. <laughs> Have you seen Tropic Thunder? No. You've no. never seen Tropic Thunder? No, my movie game is Okay, you bad. guys need to I'm do yourself yeah. a favor. And it's a comedy from like 2008, 2009 with Ben Stiller, Robert Downey, Jack Black. And it's about them filming a... It's like they're filming... I don't give it all away, but they're filming a, a war movie, but it goes wrong. Yes, oh. I have seen that. Yes, okay, yes. Mm-hmm. so remember in the beginning with yeah. the big movie production and one of the side characters, like his character in the movie, um, he uh, a Viet Cong guy puts his uh, his bayonet in his stomach. He's like, I can put it all back in. I can put it in. <laughs> yeah, I don't exactly want to. I don't want to be that guy. So to really to wrap around and answer your question, I'm like what was my uh, question? Yeah, so you're asking, <laughs> yeah, you're asking about body dysmorphia. Um, so right now. Just like post competition and then dealing with that and then not dealing with that but like, you know, adjusting. Yeah. And then post surgery, it's just reminding myself that I'm a human and that I I know how hard I can work and if I can like whatever my hundred percent is, I can only do seventy percent of that. Or I push my recovery time back by years. Mm-hmm. By years. And I'm twenty six now. If I really can't push it to the limit on my, my that was my favorite that was squat that was my fucking favorite but if I can't push, push it as hard as I used to until I'm 28 that is a better price to pay than like 32 34 because that's I mean what the fuck yeah you, know you have I mean? to honor your body and, and it's also about like what you prioritize too you know right. like what matters to you like I remember I hurt my back probably like five six months ago and it's still not great uh, like with deadlifting, like that's really yeah. the only movement. Like if I go above like 185, 190, I feel like it, like the little injury that I never really took care of was like, hey, we're back. It's like, it was actually weird. I like went to go pull, I don't know, it was in the 200s. It was a weight that like shouldn't have caused any issues. And I went to go pull it and I literally felt like my spine go. Ooh. And I was just like, I literally sat down and I was like, am I okay? <laughs> am I good? Do yeah, so I don't know. So it's, Fuck. No, no, I was just moving it. No, yeah, okay. you're good. No, it's good. Yeah, that's that sucks. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so now like I don't like to deadlift heavy. Like on max out days at the gym, I'm like, nah, it's not important to me. I don't care. I don't need a deadlift. No. That yeah. like I don't even know where my head is. I don't know something that might make you feel better about everything. Yeah, go ahead. Um, <laughs> make me feel better, please. And so you know how you're mentioning like you really liked comic books growing up. You know, yeah. looking at movie stars. How much do you think Henry Cavill weighed in Superman? Oh, okay, so the first Man of Steel, when he was natural, um, I'd say probably like 190-something, 185. 
He was 170 wet. No, he wasn't. Yes, he was. That's a fucking... That's so, lie. okay. That's, that I mean, it lie. could definitely be a lie. I don't know how reliable my source is. <laughs> but so when I used to work at the gym that I was at before, as I gained that front line, we had... Um, a bunch of like Netflix people coming in and they were training and stuff. And like, do you know Eva Longoria, the Hispanic actress? Yes. Okay. So I don't, <laughs> I feel like most men do. I don't really talk about it, but I actually was her nutritionist when she was in town. Such a sweet lady. She's so freaking oh, cool. That's cool. Yeah. It was, it was really cool. It was really intimidating because I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> you want to work with me? I like had to like go to a meeting with her and like essentially pitch myself. And I was just like, oh God, I don't know what to do. But no, she was really cool. Um, but when they were there, there was another guy um, who we were talking about, like, just, you know, why he doesn't want to get, like, put on muscle and get, like, strong and stuff and all that. And he was like, because the camera literally puts on 10 to 15 pounds. He's like, the cameras are starting to get a little better. But he's like, for instance, like, Henry Cavill and Superman, he was, like, 170, maybe 175 wet. I don't really remember, but I remember, the, like, 17. He's like, yeah, he, like... You have to get so freaking dry and lean. Was this the guy that trained Henry or? No. So I don't know. Just 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 a dude? Well, he's in like the Netflix movies and he is an actor. Yeah, he was just saying that. He was like, yeah, no, like the camera puts on so much weight so you can't be bulky. You have to be just like, if you're going to be muscular for a role, it has to be all muscle mass. Like you can't be... You know, but then the also, there's the added element that Zack Snyder was the director of that movie, and that dude is a fit nut. Like, he is a health like guy. Like, he's into his 50s now, and he's still shredded as shit. He's the dude that did 300, right? So, he made all those actors and the women get fucking shredded. Justice League made mm-hmm. all those actors and the women that were playing the Amazonians mm-hmm. shredded as fuck. Yeah, they're nice looking. Yeah. Well, he got fucking... And what I appreciate about it is not to completely derail this, but, like, he got bodybuilders to play Zeus and to play... He uh, got crossfitters to play a lot of the Amazonians. Yeah, a lot of of those uh, Amazonians were either crossfitters or fitness models. Mm -hmm. Because, like, yeah, I want jacked people to play jacked people, Mm -hmm. and I have millions. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah. Yeah. When you get to that point where people are just like, hey, do you want to come play an Amazonian on an island? I'm like, sure. Yeah, duh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, going back to the transition of from a bodybuilding show to just living a regular life, I feel like that's not talked a lot about, and I feel like that's why, I think we were talking about this with Shelby, is like talking about the transition from going from a bodybuilding show to just normal life, because it's not talked about a lot, then people, it's hard to transition from that extreme to going back to normal life, you know, and then that's when things like body dysmorphia and unhealthy relationships with food kind of are created because that becomes your norm yeah mental health because that becomes your norm and it's like how do I even be normal now yes and that is another reason why I was so thankful that I that not only myself my coach kept me natural Mm -hmm. like I didn't touch any PEDs I didn't start doing tests until well after for medical reasons at that point but excuse me um I couldn't imagine what because, I mean, fuck, you, you hear about, and obviously at the tippy top of the, of the game, but, like, Ronnie Coleman, mm-hmm. he claims he stepped on the stage at 0.5% body fat. <laughs> what? Bro. Are you dead? Are you <laughs> fucking, like, and people, like, and, the, again, like, the especially today, right, the general uh, consumer will look at bodybuilders, or even at this point, superhero actors like fucking Chris Hemsworth that are pretty much bodybuilders. The Rock, 
pretty much bodybuilders, right? They train mm-hmm. like that. Like The Rock and Black Adam, Jesus Christ, right? Yeah. Thor, or uh, Chris Hemsworth and Thor 4, Jesus Christ, right? So they look at these guys and they're like, that is like peak health. That's what you should, that's what the apex male looks like and all this shit. It's like, no, bitch. Like that dude, you realize after they got done shooting, first of all, their shooting schedule literally highlighted shirtless scenes all at this point so they can dry out, dehydrate, look at the look the way they look, and then they got carried off set and rehydrated with the best IV cocktail, the best foods, the best da-da-da-da-da because of how unhealthy that shit is, right? So, and obviously those fuckers are on gear, obviously. So I couldn't imagine being a routine bodybuilder, somebody like Bumstead, Derek Lunsford, um, uh, Big Ramy, these guys today that are just so fucking massive. And then as they're like, they can't like, after I got done with my show, right? I had Dion's waiting. <laughs> like I had that shit called in, ready, picked up, got home and shoved my face. You really can't do that to your body when you're a pro bodybuilder on this huge, not huge one, this on the strain of gear, dehydrating your body to a point of almost death. I mean, how many times, especially in the last 10 years, have you seen videos or read articles about bodybuilders dying, whether it's on stage or in prep? Mm -hmm. They just drop dead from heart attacks, from extreme dehydration where they have brain damage, liver damage, kidney damage. They're dying from this shit, right? So you can't exactly step off stage like that and just start eating whatever the fuck you want. You have to like slowly ease your body. So I can imagine how hard that shit is. Me, I just, I got fucking drunk that night. Nice. Like, yeah, we did a podcast with my fucking uh, coach, and my homie sat in on it and hung out with us. And granted, I had a, I had two Coronas and got drunk. But, you know, like, I... I Cheap accurate. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I got, you know, I, I had a fuck ton of carbs and processed shit and alcohol, and I was just fine the next day. I felt great, actually, yeah. because your body's like, just give me, mm-hmm. right? Give me anything. But yeah. then if you're like... On all these, uh, on these like homogenous compounds, on all these hormones that are just literally rewriting the way your body operates, get the fuck out of here, dude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You need a team of scientists to figure that shit out. No, not especially that doing it at such a young age as males, because I don't think yeah. they're informed enough. And especially the coaches don't know what they're doing. You can't be like, okay, just take this. Um, steroid and you're gonna get fucking jacked. And yeah, get so you know you know this uh, this this medicine that's used to uh, treat bulls. Uh, yeah. So put that in your ass twice a week for the next eight weeks. Like what, bitch? It's freaking crazy. And I promise gonna, you'll be fine. Yeah, and you're gonna have to take that the rest of your life because your body's gonna become dependent on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, the fact that like trend specifically mm-hmm. that trend. I know we've joked about it, but like the fact that trend has become this, like, TikTok thing amongst kids between the ages of 18 and 23. It's like, okay, first of all, if you've not a fine trend, okay, great. Now you're finding, like, what is clean, what is clean trend? Okay, fine. And then it's like, okay, you think you have the proper, do- there is no proper dosage of the shit. That's the whole point. Like, this, these are not meant for you. <laughs> Just spin a wheel. How many, uh, what am I going to inject today? <laughs> a fucking gram. Black, you know? Cool. So it's like, like and and to really kind of throw it back a little bit, the best example of a guy who was on a copious amount of stuff but still was transparent about it was Rich Piana. Mm-hmm. Like that dude, he was 
and he had his own supplement line and he still was like, this is supposed to supplement your diet and like for when it's not the easiest time to make a meal, but you need to eat real food. He kept saying that was his catchphrase, like real food, keep eating real food. And he advocated for people to stay off steroids. He's like, don't touch him. It's fucked me up. I take them for acting the rest of my life. And then he's the same guy who admitted to, and he's, no one will do this today. Granted, I don't think it's that, that common today. But he went down to Mexico a couple times and had, um, what's it called? Those, uh, the synthol, mm-hmm. like the, um, the the oil injections that like supposed to fill up the muscle. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Where they like tear open the muscle, fill it up. But it's, they, they all came out. It's like plastic surgery for your muscles. Yeah. And it all came fucked up. Well, you look at that guy. You know, he clearly had it. He admitted to it. And he talked about how much pain it put him in. Yeah. About how training... I fucking wonder why. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's, that's a cool pump, idea. like putting air in your muscles. Just like <laughs> fucking Spongebob. Yeah. He's, got his, he's got his hands stuck. Like, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so, so... But you don't have a guy like that today. You know what I mean? He was riding the wave of social media as social media was happening. But you don't, you don't have somebody like that today. That's like, yeah, I do, but don't do it. The closest to it, I think, right now is is Chris Bumstead. Mm-hmm. He'll never say what he's on. Like He's openly like, I'm never going to say what's on because you're going to cop- copy and do what I do. But I'm going to keep saying that I have amazing doctors. I have amazing physicians. I get my stuff legally, and I am tested all the time, and you shouldn't do this. Yeah. This is my lifestyle, not yours. So I don't know. Like to, And again, to bring this all back around, I just it's hard to adjust – for a lot of people, thankfully it wasn't for me, but I also didn't take it to certain extremes other people do, even natural, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's I know people that um, do these shows and take compounds that really fucked them up and then they're fucked up as they're coming out of the show. And there are a couple people that come to mind right now that are in prep that I know that I'm like, you're going to have a rough time. I'm just, I'm looking at you from afar. I, I wish the best for you, but you are going to have a really rough, like, I really hope it's not fucked up for you because it looks like it's going to be fucked up because mm-hmm. I see what the compounds are doing to your body right now. Mm-hmm. So, and again, maybe it's also ignorance because I'm not a fucking doctor and I don't know, like, the true extent of all these compounds. I don't know the true extent of doing this to your body over and over and over. I just see the highlight and then I see the death. Yeah. You know, and my imagination and my own uh, vague research on it kind of fills in the gap. Mm-hmm. So... You know who you should follow is this guy. His name's Luke Kozlowski. I don't know how to pronounce that. Mike Wazowski. Yeah, it's Mike Wazowski. Mike Wazowski. <laughs> he, um, I used to, when I did bodybuilding, I had like a little like, I wouldn't say with a full-on sponsorship, but like something with cage muscle supplements that he also was with. And so that's how we had connected. And he's, I don't know if he's still bodybuilding, but he did bodybuilding for a while. Got pretty far into the career. I mean, he's nowhere like a, you know, um, the Arnold stage or stuff like that. Um, but he's a coach now, but he's very transparent about the compounds he uses. He has a wife, and she's a bodybuilder. They both talk about, like, what they use. Um, he talks about, like, you the lab values. You pin me, val- then I'll pin you. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Romance. He talks about, like, the lab values that you should ask for before starting to check, like, the ones that you should get checked frequently. Like, yeah. he's very transparent like blood, about it. Like, work type shit? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's very transparent about it in that aspect, which I really like too because that's that's one of my biggest fucking pet peeves especially with women that use steroids because it's like a lot of women are shifting their mindset from being like oh, i want to be skinny to oh i want to be strong i want to be a muscle mommy which is fucking awesome but then you see certain women who you can tell are on certain things and they're not 
claiming that they are and they're denying it and all this stuff. And I'm just like, look, if you're going to take it, cool, whatever. Like, no one's Who discrediting cares? it because you still have to work so fucking hard on stuff. It's not like you take steroids and the next day you wake up and you're fucking Chris Bumstead. Like, it doesn't work that way. Not only that, but, and I feel like you guys can co-sign what I'm about to say. If a woman bench presses for one day, she is not going to lose, like, her... Chi-chis. Yeah, she's not... Okay, no, <laughs> you used to call this tits and talks. She's not gonna, Yeah, she's not going to lose her tits. Sorry, you can't say that. Here. She's not going to get... <laughs> We're going to have to be that. <laughs> we use the medical term, all right? Boobies? <laughs> but you, you do chest day once. You're not going to lose your tits. You're not going to grow fucking hooves for triceps you know what i mean you're not gonna get these raging shoulders you do one pull up you're not gonna fucking get this diced up back i wish i'm funny but but these these but these these things that that the that uh, a lot of women today are afraid of i feel like of getting super jacked like of weightlifting like no your body is going to fall in line naturally with where it wants to be when it's healthy Mm-hmm. And again, like you just said about steroids, you fucking take a cycle of whatever is not going to turn you into a superhero. Actually, and I found this out when I was on my low cycle of tests because I was only taking 200 mg a week. You take those compounds, it is going to highlight the best and worst of you. If you take those fucking compounds and you're not eating well, you're probably, as a man at least, I don't know how it is for women, mm-hmm. as a man, you're probably going to get fat. Sorry, you're probably going to get fucking fat. And at the same time, if you take those compounds, but you highlight your training, you highlight your diet, it's only going to help you, right? Mm -hmm. Now, the side effects of that, there are plentiful. But it's just going to, it's like, um, I'm a fucking dork, so this is what comes to mind. It's like when Captain America got the fucking super soldier serum in the movie, right? The doctor sits him down and he goes, this is basically going to highlight the best of you. You're getting this not because you're a not because you're a super strong perfect not a, not a perfect soldier but a good man. Yeah, that's gonna highlight the best of you, and that's what these compounds are gonna do. Mm-hmm. Is like they're gonna highlight the best of your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, it uh, that's a, and I like that's why I like like uh, part of y'all's message is that you're pushing to women like lift weights. Fucking get take, yeah. Take care. You know how of cool it is to be like no, I don't need your help. Picking this up, man. I can fucking pick up myself and then just walk off all confident and sassy, just fucking carrying that shit. Well, that a hundred percent. But what is the number one right now that we know the number one preventative, preventative like health preventative thing you can do for yourself to make your late stage of life better? Resistance training. Mm-hmm. Especially for women. Density, yeah, because yeah, once they go through menopause, then doesn't it drop by like fucking thirty five percent or some shit? And also, we start with lower bone density than men to begin with, which is right. a fucking bullshit. We got literally the short, strong everything, <laughs> and so like our bone density is shit to begin with, and then it really only has like a certain amount of time to peak, and then if like she said, you know, if you're not resistance training and then you go through menopause well now you're at a high risk for osteopenia osteoporosis and this might be a really dumb question but the the peak like that period where your bone density does is that i'm assuming during like childbearing years i don't think so i think it's mid-20s yeah Yeah, it's mid-20s so right now childbearing right like like, (laughs) sorry i thought you meant when we're a child oh when we're children oh <laughs> no, no the, the years in which you, sh- oh. you could be having a kid. You're the yeah. most fertile. <laughs> I thought you meant like as we're just fucking children. <laughs> you're just walking around like fucking. 
Yes. <laughs> you are correct. It's okay. I've done the same thing too now. I was like, no, you know, it's not like when we're eight. Walk around like little stones. Just, <laughs> Our bone density is so dense. I want to play Barbie. <laughs> 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 oh my god yeah no it's always crazy when girls are like yeah i really want to work out but like i don't want to get like super jacked or whatever and i'm like i've been fucking doing this for like eight years and i'm still small like yeah. <laughs> i do not have the muscle mass i want or the strength i want like do you know how long it took me to be able to bench 135 forever <laughs> And then I train with this one, and she's over there like, let's warm up with 135, and let's get to, like, 320. And I'm like, what? what? I can't fucking bench that, Cammy. Oh, I'll just try. Like, okay. She's like, I'm here to, I'm here to, uh, what's the fucking spot? spot? Yeah, I'm here to spot you. And, and she like, ends up deadlifting it off you. <laughs> right. <laughs> just teabagging. <laughs> Have you seen those memes where it's like, if you sit on your partner while they're lifting to spot them, like, it helps or whatever? That's all men want. That is all the average That's guy all wants. I want. <laughs> <laughs> Say less. Your husband sits you on you while you're right benching. Oh, please get off. I can't breathe. <laughs> Oh, it's crazy. Like, yeah, it's just, it's crazy that that's still the mindset for some women of like, oh, if I touch a weight, I'm just going to get jacked right away. I'm like, do you realize? I wish. How? Yeah, I fucking wish that was okay. <laughs> I wish I wasn't, you know, throwing around, throwing around big weight. I wish I was yeah. a genetic freak. Like, the one. <laughs> yeah. The and one I wish I had a million dollars. Like, are we just saying <laughs> obvious things now? Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish there weren't two wars going on. I wish I wish the AC worked in my car. Like I also. But it's winter. Why do you need AC? Be, just yeah. to have it. I went through the whole. I went through the whole fucking summer with no AC. Okay, I've done that before too. It fucking this summer in particular sucked ass. And then when it rained, so the windows had to be up. It was a sauna in my car. Mm. I wanted to die. Yeah, why don't you just like poke some holes in the window? It's the worst. So this is totally totally off subject, but I uh, I'm writing uh I wrote a joke about not having the AC in my car, and I went to a because there's open mics throughout the week, and uh, Thursday and Friday the open mic is a little more left leaning, a little more liberal than the other places, and uh, it turns out that liberal leaning people don't like the word wetback. And so when I said that in my set, because the, the the premise is like, yeah, no AC, it's making me come in touch with my heritage, I'm becoming a wet back in real time, because my fucking back is sweaty, right? One open mic really liked it, got a good laugh, that silence of this other one. And then actually in the back, there was like an audible like, ooh! <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> and I wanted to like double down, but like I knew I was very outnumbered, Yeah. right? No help. Yeah. No backup on the slide, just backed away and walked away. But anyway. What goes through your mind? Like, if no one laughs, I would be like... Honestly, nothing. It, it is like... No, no thoughts, no. just vibes. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, like... Well, okay, that's that's what, that's not true. So, I guess through... No, because, like, my mind kind of blinks. Yeah. Like, okay, here's a better way to put it. It doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second, the second like show that I did, real show, which I was so underqualified for, and frankly underprepared. Good uh, That was bad. Like I did not great. My first paid show, I did pretty decent for a new guy, and I and it was not bad, and I got really good feedback and that type of shit. The second one was a bomb, 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 bad. So while I was bombing through that, 
maybe like the first minute, I was like, okay, just get through it, get you next joke, get you next joke. But then finally, when I accepted, because what happened on that one was we had a comic drop out. So instead of doing five minutes, I had to do up to eight. And I barely had like three and a half prepared. (laughs) Of like nice. actual material, yeah. Oh, so start with I, the knock knock jokes. Now. Knock knock. <laughs> knock knock. Silence. Answer, bitch. <laughs> um, but I, uh, as I realized that I was bombing, I was like, dude, own it. Because what are they, what are they gonna do? Some of them already walked away. Throw so tomatoes. Yeah, you know. Does that right? still happen? Uh, not yet. No. They're gonna bring tomatoes to your next stand up and. Please. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Like in SpongeBob, fuck yeah. this guy sucks. <laughs> but no, um, like that one, I was like, no, just own it. Own it. You're fucking bombing. Just own your Be confident in your fucking material. They're already not laughing. So what are they gonna do? Not laugh anymore? Okay, fine. Fuck it. And then that kind of turned into better. My energy got more loose, and I was like, like that type of shit. But since then, I've been doing. I've been just doing open mics, which is where I belong. Is open mics. I know what I am. I'm a month <laughs> into it. You know what I mean? Like a month into taking it seriously. So. As I'm doing it in an open mic, I love it. Like I love every every second that I'm up there doing it's a fucking blessing. Because we're not a comedy city. Like comedy is not an like there are local comics that are amazing. Uh-huh. I have to watch what I say because fucking the politics are getting really weird right now. But look, like there is no mainstream comedy in Albuquerque. I don't think anyone can argue that. There is no we don't have a giant comedy club. We have dry heat and I fuck with dry heat so hard. I, I didn't love even know we have stand-up comedy. Yeah, my yeah. point exactly. <laughs> my point exactly, right? Like I fuck with dry heat so hard. I love that place. It's a it's a little club on central across from Elway, right? Uh like yeah. sushi place yep. mm-hmm. on the ice cream shop. Yep, exactly. <laughs> yep. Yep. There's a little comedy club sandwiched in there. Sarah and Kelly that run the place, they're fucking awesome. We have amazing comedians, but there's no like mainstream comedy. So the fact that there is now, as of this week, six open mics a week, I'll take it, right? Like I'll fucking take it. That's sick. So every chance that I get to go do stand up, I go do it. And even if my material's bombing, yeah, like there have been a couple nights where I'm like, fuck, I really thought that was gonna fucking work. What happened? I can be mad at myself, but it's a learning experience. And every other comic that's there. And bombing alongside you because, like, you want to see some fucking open, like, vulnerability? Go to a comedy open mic in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Good fucking God. You will see the full range of how confident someone can be and how shit pants somebody can be. I'm going to sign you up. And it'll just fluctuate. And then you know I'm going mean? to say, this is Natalie's up. I'm not Gabby. <laughs> Did we ever tell you the story about when we first, well, we were in high school. I don't know if you listened to our first episode where we like, we're in high school, we went to an open mic night, but it was like a singing open mic I night. I vaguely remember the story. Vaguely. Go on, you tell it better Your, your first episode was called uh, the, the Tits Behind the Talks, right? Yes, is yeah, that, that one? We're just going to know okay. each other. Or, well, we weren't. We were talking <laughs> That was the first time we ever met. We were getting for our audience to know us. Uh, yeah. And, and, it was a get to know us. Yeah, thank you. The there audience. we go. See, you articulate. <laughs> um, yeah, no, we went to an open mic, and Gabby has a very pretty voice. Um, she sings a lot, and it's pretty. <laughs> and it's pretty. And so she was like, I was like, you know, being the great best friend, I was like, hey, you should really share your gift with the world. You know, I only get to hear it, like you should go up there. Like, no one in this, like, open mic, like, these aren't our friends. Like, no one here knows us. Like, just get up there. Like, zero investment yeah. in you. Exactly. Right. And she's like, okay, yeah, I think I'm going to do it. So she's like, so we go and we sign her up together and we're like, you know, Gabrielle Sanchez, I think you're going to sing, like, some fucking Kelly Clarkson or, like... I think it was Beyonce. Beyonce. Okay, Beyonce song. 
And, you know, we're, like, there. And we're, like, we go out. And she's, like, practicing. I'm, like, yeah, that sounds really good. Like, do this, do that. Like, you know, sit, like, say your chest. You know, like, we're, you know, we're getting her nice and prepared. She's doing, like, vocal warm-ups. We are invested into this performance. I love this. And then they fucking call her up. And she goes, I can't do it. Can you go for me? And I was like, okay, sure. I was like, I'm not fucking singing Beyonce. So I go up and I was like, hi, I'm Gabrielle Sanchez. I was like, I know I'm supposed to sing Beyonce, but I'm going to sing Heart Shaped Box by Nirvana. Uh, So we're going to do that instead. (laughs) And then I'm just up there pretending to be Gabby singing Nirvana. And then afterwards I was like, there's going to be one day in our life where you pay me back for this. So it's going to be at a comedy club. Do it. I, that's hilarious. That would be that's horrible hilarious. to watch. And then she also won most likely to appear on Broadway in high school. Even I think it was from that stellar performance <laughs> that everybody was like, "Fuck, this Gabby can't sing, but she's got confidence." <laughs> you know what's funny? That's the exact feedback that I got from my first open mic. You fucking suck, and you need to learn how to write. But you have great stage presence. See, it's crazy to me that you guys like write your comedy, and you yeah. just don't go up there, and it just doesn't like. Out of you. <laughs> well, no. So, so it's funny you say that, right? Because it's such a intangible, like art form. Mm-hmm. A lot of it, right? Um, until you literally put it on paper or you like record it. However, there's many ways to skin that cat. But I know a lot of comics, like like personally here in town, like good. I, I always shout shout this guy out, uh, Buck D, Robert Gibson. Uh, he's been doing comedy for like eight nine years. He's become a friend of mine and a, and a really good mentor of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, He's the one that we were talking about, like, writing and shit, and he was like, yeah, I don't write most of my shit. I have a concept. I know I know my starting point. I know my end point. I know what might be funny about it, but I just go up there and write on stage. And there's comics that can do that. Like, That's cool. uh, 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 Of course, I'm fucking blanking right now. Um, uh, he recently passed away, but Norm MacDonald, he was probably one of the best at that. Like, he's a very good writer, but he's also, like, very try humor, very, like... Uh, I see the office over there. It's like very office style comedy, right? Very, very dry humor. Yeah. So he's the type of guy that can kind of just go up there and like come up with it. Uh, Andy Sandberg, he's a great comedy writer, but he can also do that mm-hmm. with a very few times he does stand up. Um, but then you have other comics that are very meticulous with their writing. That's your Dave Chappelle's, your Bill Burr's, um, uh, Kennison, uh, Pryor, shit like that, right? Um, and that's the method that I, because this is how like scattered my brain is. And how I come up with, like, a lot of my shit when I'm driving or when I'm in the shower. Like, a premise or a tag or, like, a, like oh, that could be funny. And so, like, my, my notes app on my fucking phone is literally littered with, yeah, stand-up was, yeah, stand-up was the last one that I had. So, like, all of this is just comedy shit. I am the type of person that, like, I have to, and I'm trying to get a system down on how I make material, how I write bits, and it... And the way my brain works, I have to write it, like, every single word in my head, even if I hate it, right? So I'll be, like, like forcing myself to write every single word that's in my brain on, like, a yellow, like, legal pad. And it's like, okay, so I have, this is, this is everything that this bit could be. It is way too big. I need to shave this down. So that becomes, like, I have a small, like, joke, like, a standard, like, notebook that I have for all my jokes. I'm like, okay, there's my bit. Uh, for my skill level, I'm not a story comedian. Yet. I want to be, but I'm not. So uh, what I need to do is a bit should not be longer than one of these pages front to back, but they should fit into one page. Okay, now if this is still too long, I'd like to fit it to half. 
okay, this could be really good as like a quick setup, tag, punch, move on, three by five note card. And so it's just like moving it down like that. So you bring up writing. That's like how my brain has to organize things, very like methodical to mm-hmm. even make it make sense to me. Because you, because like there's so many things that you could, you bring up like, uh, you just go up there and you just do it, right? I've done jokes for like the same jokes in the same room where on week one, it did really well. But then week two, I do the same. Like, I don't change any of the words. I'm just like confirming it, right? Okay, does this work twice in a row? But I feel afterward like my energy was off. My delivery was off. My inflection, my voice was off. These like other variables that were correct on week one, but they fucked up week two, ruined the whole thing, mm. right? So it's not only the words on the page, it's how you deliver them. It's how you articulate them. It's how you present them to the audiences. It is like... One thing I'm, I'm learning right now, I'm glad I'm learning it now, is that you kind of have to be, like you hear like on all these podcasts on how like a lot of comedians don't want to be actors. They are actors though. You're on stage performing. You're giving them, you're acting out a performance. You're acting out your set. So you have to be a act, like an actor of yourself, right? Mm-hmm. I can go on for hours about this. Uh, but anyway, anyway, it's, it's what brought this all up is, um, I love the fact. So I somehow love the fact that it's happening, that it's here, and I love do, spending my time doing it. But I don't know where that came from, so I'm sorry. But <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't either. That's my comedy spiel. Um, I love doing it. It's a fucking blessing, and uh, yeah, it's, it's the shit. I love doing it. So oh no, because you asked me. You asked me um, what happens in my brain when I bomb. Yes. At open mics. I just get to my next joke. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. that one didn't work. We're all working out our shit. We're all bombing. Some of us are doing well. Some of us are bombing. I'm in the bombing crowd right now. That's okay. These are all other comics and their friends or girlfriends that got dragged to the open mic with them. <laughs> You're bombing for people that are expecting you to bomb. And especially because of all these people in the crowd that do know me, they don't know me for comedy. Maybe they're starting to now that I'm someone trying comedy. That's, the, that's how I get categorized in other people's heads. Like, I see it. Like, I see it. I know what that feels like. I know what that looks like. It's a guy trying comedy. But before that, they knew me as the guy with the podcast. If they knew me. They knew me from that. They don't know me from comedy, so they're expecting me to fail. If you fail, fuck it. It's fine. Move on. Learn from it. If you do well, own it. Capitalize on that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, I'm not uncomfortable bombing at these open mics at all. It's when, like I say, if. It's when I get another paid show if I bomb there. Because then it's like not only are these people coming out to see comedy with intention to see comedy, like to, to laugh, mm-hmm. right? I'm also getting paid money. Even if it's like my first gig, I got paid $26. You know how valuable that fucking $26 was to me? I was like, like I did five minutes of something and I, I of my service. Not service for a company, not for like a salary job. No, I... Came up with something. I did it. I performed. They laughed, which is a whole other high on its own. Oh, my God. That's the fucking best drug I've ever had is laughter. But then I got... I provided the thing, and they gave me compensation. That's crazy. That's crazy. Are you sure? I like, like, like the, I didn't think I was getting paid that, is that night. A real laugh? Are you guys really laughing? Well, yeah. Who paid you? Who paid you? Well, are you like, also getting paid? And then, and then what was crazy about that first show too, though, was like my friends showed up, hmm. and they sat front and center. No. And I saw my friends laughing, not in like he's a fucking idiot. Look at him. Look at him try. Like no, they're like that's funny. Oh my, my friend is funny. 
my friend is actually fine. Like, that blew my fucking mind, right? And then when the host gave me money in compensation for my time, <laughs> what? Are you sure? Okay. Twist you know, my arm, I'll take it. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, that shit's fucking awesome. So I, I focus on how, I, obviously I focus on, like, the cool stuff like that, but, like, I just know that I love doing it. Mm-hmm. and there's opportunity here to do it. So, like, if I wasn't here tonight, like, what time is it? It's okay. So, if I wasn't here right now, I'd be at Slice Parlor in Knob Hill doing fucking stand-up. They're they do stand-up there, too? On Tuesday nights, the open oh. mic is at Slice Parlor. Oh, my gosh. So, I'd be there doing stand-up right now, right? Mm-hmm. Or at least watching the open mic waiting to go up, or I'd be, you know, reacting to how I just did eating a pizza. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? That's my Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. Or I'd be doing my own podcast. But it's always... But even, like, with the pod, doing this right now... I try to make this in service of stand-up as well, of how I articulate my words, how I work out my thoughts on the fly. Mm-hmm. So that's what's going on in my brain. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's also something like that you don't really think about when it comes to podcasting, is how much you have to think yeah. <laughs> to, yeah. to have conversations well, and to talk. It's your attention yeah. span that's getting worked out the most, oh, right? God, it's, it's so like if so, so bad. It's like if someone's actually speaking to you with, in, like, it, you'd hope they're speaking yes. with intention, right? Uh-huh. So if they're speaking to you with intention and they're really trying to articulate an idea to you, really paint a picture of how they feel or how their, their brain works. Yes. You need to be sitting there absorbing as much as you can. Mm-hmm. And I feel that. Because I've, I've had to work on my attention span and I've had to work on like my active listening and work on um, like what is this person really trying to tell me so I can ask the right question, highlight the yeah. right thing. And it's like, because you don't want them to be say something and it's they're really highlighting, you know, point A, but you ask like point D. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it's like, oh, well, you just derailed the conversation. Good yeah. job, jackass. Yeah, <laughs> that's right? tough. Yeah, and I think it's, I'm really good at having conversation just naturally like if a person if it wasn't on a podcast but it's completely different if you're on a podcast and I feel like if I'm being recorded it's like totally different for some reason I don't know we're like on your podcast we kind of briefly talked about how like your guys's brains you can like have a diagram in your head of like okay they mentioned this I want to go here and then I'm going to cross it over to this way and do a loop-de-loop and we're going to go down and then you know whereas like my brain it just like, there's essentially, like, a little ballot box. And, <laughs> and, like, everything you say just goes in it. And so I remember, like, I can remember, you know, probably close word to word by word what you talked about when you were in the military and all that stuff. I can remember that. But, I like, it just goes in there and it just hangs out in there. And then I have to kind of be like, okay, he said that. But what do I do with that? <laughs> or, like, ah. what do I, like, it's, yeah, yeah the brain's weird. Yeah. So, funny. question for you. Yes. And I don't mean this to sound mean if it comes out mean. Do you get started in comedy because you think you're funny or because someone told you you're funny? I think I'm fucking ho- No. Um, like what? Like, you know, so like when, how does someone be yeah. like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to do that. A healthy amount of delusion. Oh, okay. Like on some real <laughs> shit though, right? On a healthy amount. Because you got to think about it. I, I, I've been thinking about that a lot over the last like week and a half or so. I've been thinking, I've been actually, been, I've been thinking about two things. Like whenever I'm like having my shower thoughts or like my real like introspective type shit, I was like, okay. Why am I fucking doing this? I was just thinking about it while I was writing. Like, what? Like, what's the actual goal here? Mm-hmm. I, and I didn't think about it in like a self-deprecating way or in, a, in like a questioning way. But I was like, really, like, why am I here? Because I was kind of hitting like a writer's block with where I could take my my the subject I was working on. And so I was thinking about that, and then I was also thinking about because uh, at the end of our episode we did, I said, yeah, "We're going to ask you uh, how do you embody your health." I'm thinking about that too. But <laughs> but um, to your point. A healthy amount of delusion. Because when you really think about 
people that go into any kind of entertainment, whether it's acting, music, podcasting, comedy, sports, there has to be a healthy amount of delusion and selfishness. Uh There has to be, because that means you think you could be greater than you are, and you believe in yourself enough to be better than others Hmm. at that subject. Is it ugly? Is it bad? No. You need that, right? But you have to have those two things in you to at least get started, Hmm. right? You guys started a podcast. Inherently, you think your voice is important enough to be heard. No, think about it, right? Your ideas, your ideas, your thoughts, the way you deliver them, you think that it's important enough to be heard or at least you can improve yourselves enough to make it important, right? Because mm-hmm. I've thought, I've, that's how, at least that's how I digest it, mm-hmm. like that's for myself. So then, like my own, like as, as I was growing up and I've, I've been watching comedy since I was a kid, like I remember when I was little, I like begged my fucking mom to get me a, a Jeff Dunham DVD. So I thought that guy, my friends were telling me about it, and I, like, well, he was on, like, old school YouTube, and I'm like, I fucking need this. And uh, I loved that shit. And then, like, my aunt, when I would go visit her in California, she had, like, all the movie channels. Like, late at night, I could catch, like, an old, like, Robin Williams bit, or uh, a special, like, a Richard Pryor. I watched a lot. Eddie Murphy. I, I watched Delirious way too young. Uh, so, like, Eddie Murphy or... Um, um, I started getting into comedies when Joe Rogan first started putting out his specials. And then, like, when I got into high school, I started watching a lot of Bill Burr on Netflix and Tom Segura and stuff like that. And so I've always been, like, really in, in love with that type of stuff, like, watching them. Me and my friends watched Bill Burr's specials, like, on repeat pretty much. Cause we, and we knew it by heart. Like, we, I love that guy. Um, but anyway, anyway. So then I started getting into podcasts in, like, 2018, 2019. That seemed, like, pretty much led by comedians. Like, oh, these are all people I know. It's the fucking Fear Factor guy. What the shit? Why is he talking to Bernie Sanders? Wait a minute. What the fuck is going on? And then, yes, I get into podcasting. And then, but it was always, like, so far out in the ether. That's, like, that's not really attainable. We're not really, like, an entertainment city. The only entertainment we really have here is music. And I'm not a musician. I'd love to be able to sing. That's not my thing. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to touch it. Whatever, right? Not my thing. So, I I just never really thought too much into it. But then, post-deployment started the podcast and I went to film school and I still would love to work in film. Like we were talking about a little bit earlier, right? Like I would love to work in film. I'd still love to like screen. I like writing. I'm learning the one, one of the things I hated the most in school. I'm sorry. I really love now is writing. Um, and I'm not the completely sidebar, but I'm assuming you guys know who who, uh, Jordan Peterson is. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, one of the things, one of my favorite quotes from him is the best, uh, way to become deadly as a person is to learn how to articulate your thoughts mm-hmm. and how to speak properly and how to um, really just articulate your thoughts. And one of the best ways to train your brain to do that is to write because in writing you can edit. In writing you can really pin down what you're trying to say and then you're teaching your brain in real time how to do that, right? So I'm loving writing. I got into, I got into like teaching myself how to write screenplays and how to write like scene. Like, what does a scene look like on a page? Okay, how do you format that? How does this flow properly? What are these characters doing with one another? Like how do they interact? That type of shit, right? Then film school uh, stopped happening because of the military. And I was like, okay, well, uh, I'm still technically in debt to the uh, university because fucking army hasn't paid that shit back yet. Uh, still working on that. <laughs> but, but I was like, okay, in doing the podcast over that period of time, I'm meeting all these comedians. And I'm like, okay, there are comics in Albuquerque. Where the fuck are you people doing comedy? 
And so I'm finding like they're doing some comedy, mainly at Rebel. I haven't gone to Dry Heat yet at this point, but they're doing it at Rebel. And I got into a couple of roast battles there, and that was super fun. But I was like, are there like open mics here? Like, what the? Where are you fuckers getting funny? Like, in front of a mirror? Do you enslave your friends? Like, where is this happening? And then finally, I went to the opening night with a couple of my friends at Dry Heat, and I watched uh, Buck do do his headlining set there, and the other comedians. And I was like, okay, not only did they sell out this whole weekend, there are really funny people here. Where the fuck is this happening? And then I I had it in my head to do comedy, put it off, put it off, put it off. Me and my girlfriend split up. And then I was like, fuck, I need to do something to fill my time. And, you know, I want to accomplish something. Like, I want to go, like, like, prove to myself I can still do things outside of the podcast. Mm-hmm. And so I started finding out about open mics. I put it off. I put it off. And another person I really give credit to... Where, wherever my comedy career goes, the fact that it started, I am forever indebted to this local comic. Her name is Amory Castillo. She's from New York, came to New Mexico, and she's a phenomenal comic, a great host. Her and Buck were doing an open mic at Inside Out. Mm-hmm. This is last summer. They they only no, it was it was this summer. Just kidding. Yes, yeah, so this this past summer they were doing it and they hosted it for only a little bit. I was very sad that it ended because that's such a fun fucking open mic. And I was going, I was going. I was going and finally, after one of the nights that I went, uh, she came up to me. She was a little hammered. But she came up to me and she was like, you're doing, because she had been on the podcast too. We knew each other. And she was like, you're doing, open, you're doing fucking stand-up next week. And I was like, I, I don't have material. And she's like, fuck you. Yes, you do. Don't lie to me. You have material. And then Buck comes up to me and, and he's like, you're, we're going to sign you up. <laughs> we're going to put you forth on the roster. You're, we're going to sign you up and either you bitch out or you do it. And I was like, I don't have five minutes. He goes, dude, I don't care if you have 20 seconds. You're getting up there. I was like, fuck. So I tried to string things together. I went up there. I And it flies. Yeah. That time. I did three and a half minutes of just garbage. I got like one laugh off of one of my jokes, right? And they were bad. They were all bad. And, uh, and I get done. And Anne-Marie comes up to me afterwards. And she goes... You and she, again, little. But she goes, that was not good. <laughs> you need to learn how to write, but your stage presence is amazing. You have really good presence. You have really good uh, energy on stage. I have a show in a month and a half. Come do five minutes. And I was like, fuck. And then things went from there. Um, but again, it's like a healthy amount of delusion. And then I, I can't understate or overstate enough the laughter, like saying something and people giving you that positive energy back it's unlike anything i've ever experienced it it truly is it's like it's like a confirmation yeah your hard work paid off and this and that but it's like in the moment under pressure you can perform like it is it and i'm only experiencing it on a micro level i can't imagine what it's like to be in a theater of like 600 people 500 people and you just crack it's like, I cannot fucking imagine what that is like. But, and it's, it's also helped my mental health a lot, too. You know what I mean? Like, I'm doing something that I love. Um, there's a really good uh, video. They, they did a video for the comedy Mothership in Austin where they did Bill Burr's voice over it. And he's telling a story about how he had went, like, he drove an hour to go do an eight-minute spot at this comedy store, or the comedy uh, club, like, in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And he got paid eight bucks to do it, but he did a new bit, and it worked, and it cracked, and... 
He's like, yeah, for like I was a low-level comedian, but I was in the zone for like 15 seconds, whatever the zone is for me at that time. And I remember driving back, and I had $8 in my pocket. Didn't even cover gas, but I had $8, and I was doing the stupid dance in my kitchen. And he goes, my girlfriend at the time walked in, saw me, but got really sad. And he asked, like, why are you sad? And she goes, I wish I had a job where I went and did something, got paid $8, and then did a dance. I have nothing like that in my life. And he's like, no. you never go wrong if you're chasing a dream. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, like, I, like whatever he felt, I felt like the smaller of that. Like, and, and again, like I was saying a little bit earlier about bodybuilding, like, it's a genuine challenge and it's hard as fuck. Hard, especially today with the boom of comedy, right? There's mm-hmm. so many people doing it and trying to do it at different levels, like, you know what I mean? And it's silly to try to get bogged down in that, but you really you really can't go wrong if you're chasing something you love and and one of the things he said in that bit in that story was like it was easy for me to get through my bullshit job or my the thing that I didn't like I, I like my job I'm perfectly happy with it but like it's on the days where I don't like it or it becomes monotonous it's easier to get through that now because I have this awesome thing I'm doing later whether it's the podcast whether it's doing a guest spot on, on another podcast or it's going out and doing stand-up now, six nights a week, I have something fucking kick-ass to do. And on the seventh day, on Sunday, I still get to be involved with stand-up because there's a writing session every Sunday in Dry Heat. Mm-hmm. My life can now, every day, I can at least experience something that I love, right? And I, I'm not taking that for granted. Like mm-hmm. that's, and again, it's a genuine boom for my mental health. It keeps me sharp. It keeps me working hard on something that I love. And, and like even tonight, before I came in here... Um, now, granted, my internet went down to redo it when I get home, but I was writing an invoice to my sponsor. Mm-hmm. I'm invoicing somebody for a podcast. Get the fuck out of here. Ooh. How? Yay. That's so weird. That's New Mexico Chili Company, right? Chop Chili Company. Chop. Shout out. Yeah. Chop. Yeah. Chop Chili Company. He's a shit. He's a good guy. But yeah, it's like they are paying me. Like me and my buddies got a little drunk on Sunday night, did a four hour podcast. One of them puked on stream. Wow. I got paid for that. That's cool. <laughs> What? What? You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, it's it's these things that, like, even when I started the podcast, I didn't know what the fruits of my labor were going to be. I didn't see it going past six months. But now, entering the fourth year, I'm like, oh, this could be something. Yeah. Like, this could actually mm-hmm. be the thing that I do. Mm-hmm. And, I, and again, I'm not, even if this goes nowhere and it fucking fizzles out in five years, whatever. I'm, I'm going to do everything I can to prevent that. Yeah. And again, it just really feeds my own mental health alongside everything else that I do for it. Yeah, it's it's fucking it's fucking beautiful. So and and no matter how bogged down I can get with like the writing process, like you're asking earlier, or just uh, articulating what I wanted to get to the goal, I've seen and tasted a little bit of what that goal is, and I want all of it. I want fucking all of it. Yeah, I love it. I like it. You said all of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Very well said. Thanks, yes. man. Very well articulated. <laughs> what? what As you said from the beginning, you articulate your words very well. Thank you very much. I try. How do you embody your health, and what does that mean to you? I'll make it quick, because I know we're, we're closing up on time here. Um, how do I embody my health? So a lot of it, I, I just covered a lot of mental health stuff. It's so the way I protect, I'd say a different angle from that. The way I protect my mental health, I do all the things that I enjoy, like I outline and why I love them, right? And then I surround myself with people that only feed the positive sides of me, right? Yeah. Um, I allow negativity into my life, sure, 
like so i can combat that so i can overcome that like i don't resist it very much aside from like obvious like bad things like like drugs or fucking whatever but just being reckless being very loose with the way i live my life definitely not but if negativity comes if and when negativity comes to my life i don't resist it i'm like okay how do we deal with this where does this want me to go and then move around it right get through that um I protect my mental health a lot. Uh, I found myself very recently, uh, really since like me and my girlfriend split up, and then of uh, like last last August, I found myself a lot coming a lot closer to God, really getting back into my own religion, really uh, studying that more. I definitely don't do as much as I should, but um, I. And the long story short of that is just uh, the more I align myself with Christianity, the better my life tends to go, and so. People can hear that and say, well, yeah, it's because you're being a better person or it's because this, it's a placebo effect. Fine. I'm not the guy to argue against that just because I'm not as well versed on my own religion. But um, I know that the more I follow the Bible, the more that I pray, the closer I bring myself to God, the better my mental health is, the better things tend to work out for me, uh, generally speaking. Um, and then I really think that to live a good life and to protect your health, you need to have something that feeds your mental health, your spiritual health and your physical health. And the more things you can add into your life that feed two of those at once, I don't think anything feeds all three. Um, and, if you, and if you do have something that feeds all three, please do it, right? For instance, comedy, mental, spiritual health, right? That makes me feel better. Not my physical health. I'm staying out way too late, probably having a couple of beers, eating some pizza. Not the best for my physical health, but my mental health, my spiritual part of that, right? Excuse me. My going to the gym. That's something I think feeds all three, right? I just feel better in tune with myself. I work out a lot of things. I just get those endorphins going. I've become more clear-headed, that type of shit, right? Um, and then, bodying my health. Uh, going back to like the bodybuilding thing, just really outlining like, okay, we can't swing the pendulum so far one way that I don't give a fuck about what I eat, but we can't swing it so far the other way that I'm like starving myself and I'm getting like beating myself up and call myself a piece of a fat piece of shit because I've been not doing this or not doing too much of that or doing too much of that. You know what I mean? So can't let that pendulum swing too far one way or another with my eating habits. So it's definitely doing that and not beating myself up, beating myself up over it. Um, and the last thing I'd say, the way that I really protect my health and embody it is um, healthy social interaction, like genuinely healthy social interaction. Um, it is, she probably won't mind me saying this, like, uh, even though like, like things are, you know, always gonna be a little rocky, but my ex and I, we still hang out every now and again because we genuinely enjoy each other's company and we've set queer boundaries and all that shit. Um, but she's a good influence on my life. She pushes me to keep pursuing things that I love and as far as she's told me, I'm a good influence on her life. You know what I mean? And we've set boundaries to where, again, because we both protect our own mental health. Like, hey, if when we come, when we become a negative to the other, we need, need to make that clear. Either work that out or we go our separate ways. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So she is one of the closest people in my life to me. My best friends. And I think you met fucking Springer. I don't know if you met Joey or not or David. When you guys came over to the podcast, but like my friends. I fucking love those guys. They are awesome, right? Um, just having, I mean, I could go on about those guys, but just having the group of friends that I have in my life, um, I wouldn't be here without them. Like, that's the easiest way to put it. They, I love those guys to death. Um, and then the family that I am close with, I maintain contact and I, cause I'm not, I, I don't talk to my parents at all. Um, so the auxiliary family, like the, 
extended family that I have has become close to me. And as a result of that, I talk to them on a regular basis and I keep those connections well. So it's, it's, it's a healthy amount of selfishness that I have in my life to do the things that I want to do with the people I want to do them and being unapologetic about it. Mm -hmm. I don't get guilted into anything. You cannot guilt me. Nice. And I think that's something that has something that I've worked on very hard yeah. because Again, I was talking earlier about why am I doing comedy. I know there's a big part of me that is a people pleaser that is someone that wants attention, that's someone that wants good attention, right? That's someone that wants to please others, make other I wanna make people laugh. I mean, I wanna make people have a good time. I want like with the podcast. Um, I'm glad that you guys were comfortable enough to stick around for three and a half hours. That means I'm able to create a decent environment, enough for you guys to stay for that long. Like three and a half hours, that's no ask. I mean, that's no small ask. You know what I mean? So I want to be able to provide that for people on different scales. So having those healthy social interactions bring my mental health where it needs to be and then being confident in my decisions to not be guilted into anything i think that's how i embody my health i like that answer beautiful yeah golf club <laughs> I, I try well thank you for coming on and we appreciate you thank we you. appreciate your perspective on everything and thank you for the invitation this has been a fucking blast i've seen obviously the the videos of the studios congrats on what you guys are doing thank you i'm very i told you this last time but i'm very proud of you guys thank you i love what you guys are doing and i hope you love what you guys are doing we do you should really well, i mean i do <laughs> speak for us yeah she does she loves I do. it <laughs> yeah, no, it's I, I, fun. you guys need to keep it up Thank you. That's on a, the plan. On, on, a, on a macro scale, Albuquerque needs more of this, but on a micro scale, you guys are good at it. Oh, well, thanks. So Thank you. appreciate that. Please lean into it. Thank you. It's gonna go places. Well, thanks. Now I gotta know what to do <laughs> with all this positive feedback. <laughs> so like I said, working on emotions. I don't know how to take positive feedback, but we're working on yes. it. <laughs> well, thank thanks. you so much, and we appreciate it. Yes, ma'am. All right, ta-ta. Bye-bye. <laughs>